What number is this, Chip? Episode 37. The Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited Roundtable Discussion. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm sure I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Once again to your podcast full of monkeys, what we like to call zilch. And today I'm joined by Melanie Mitchell. Hi, Melanie. Hi, kid. How's everything in monkey land for you today? Everything is just ducky. Thank you very much for asking. Duckies and monkeys. Somehow it all works together. (laughs) The Zilch Facebook page has been hopping and it's been very cool. A lot of great discussions going on there. Have have there been any discussions that have caught your, your eye? Well, one thing that I caught my eye was Michael Lynch announced the um, publication, I don't know what to call it, of the uh, songs that he wrote for the Hubble Benson All-Stars, the three bands that appear in the episode uh, Find the Monkeys or The Audition, Mm -hmm. uh, the Jolly Green Giants, the Four Martians, and the Foreign Agents, and he actually wrote songs for each one of those bands and recorded them. And so they're now available um, through Bandcamp, I think is the name of the uh, website. But come to our Facebook page and, and you'll get the links, or Ken will include them in the show notes. But they're wonderful, funny songs, uh, a lot of fun, and each one done in a different style. So there's definitely the spirit of that episode shining through in that project. I'm very proud of him. Absolutely. I was one of his first purchasers. It was, it was great. Love it, love it, love it. And speaking of Facebook pages, the Monkey Magic Facebook page for your book, which is called... Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. I know, um, it's that's... just, when you say the long title, I just, you know, it, I'd rather you do it than me. Okay. You recently got your 500th member, so congratulations. Thank you. We reached 500 in the Monkey Magic page, but the... Uh, Zilch Facebook group reached 1,500. So way to go, Zilch. Way to go, Zilch listeners who managed to find their way to Facebook. We are glad to be part of this with you. And for those of you that aren't on Facebook, you're just as loved as everyone else. So it's very cool. So it's always a good time on the Zilch Facebook page. And I think it's time to jump into the monkey's mailbag. What say you, Melanie? Oh, goody! All right. P.O. Box 9847. P.O. Box 9847. Yeah. Here we go. Finally, a monkey's podcast by MSRCast. And it's a five star rating. He says, I've been a podcaster for 10 years and a monkeys fan almost all my entire life. And it was a revelation to finally discover what I have been craving. A monkeys dedicated podcast. Kudos. Well, thank you, MSR cast. And I would like to mention that this is the gentleman uh, whose show I was on recently to talk about the monkeys podcast. So uh, that that's very cool. Very cool. And we 
pick another review here from Mrs. Arcadian. Is there a character named Mrs. Arcadian the monkeys that I'm... Yes, that was Mickey in the dress. Ah. She's from Philadelphia, second house on the left as we come into town. <laughs> well, she writes, Amazing! Five-star review. I was supremely ecstatic when I found this podcast. I've only started listening over a month ago, and I am catching up. I particularly love the running gag, at least. I'd like to think it's a running gag with the day we fall in love. <laughs> yes, we have. We really have had some fun with that song. There'll be birds singing everywhere. It keeps running and it keeps catching up. Right. No matter how fast we run, it keeps catching yeah. up. <laughs> no matter how fast we run, the running gag catches us. Very good. I like that, Melanie. She goes on to say, As a kid, I casually knew about the monkeys, having only been exposed to whatever the local oldies radio station in my area would play. And I became a full-on monkeys fan when TV Land ran a Monkey Jam 97 Echo, Echo, Echo... A 24-hour special back in 1997. They left my life for about 10 or 15 years, but I have rediscovered them over a year ago while I have been battling depression. They have helped me out of the depths tremendously. If only they knew how much they helped me regain my glass-half-full perspective on life. Now, with a five-year-old daughter as a fan, she loves the show and asks to watch it regularly, along with playing a few of the records I own. I may just have to add a few more to my collection. Keep up the good work. I enjoy everything you do, and I am looking forward to hearing more. Well, thank you, Mrs. Arcadian. And you know, the monkeys do kind of chase away the blues, right? Right, Melanie? That's, unless we want to listen to the blues, in which case right. we bring them back. And then that would be uh, Shoe Suede Blues with Peter yeah. Tork, his band. <laughs> so there you go. Well, Mrs. Arcadian, you and your five-year-old daughter, you just keep monkeying around and keep listening to Zilch. We're, we're glad you're along for the ride. Well, let's check and see who's on the monkeys hotline. And it is Jody Ritson. Hello. Live on the Zilch Hotline, it's Jody Ritson returning to Zilch. How are you doing, dear? I'm great, Ken. show is doing amazing. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for the compliment. I understand Mickey's making a return back to New York. Mickey is doing an encore presentation in New York City. A little bit Broadway, a little bit rock and roll. September 25th, September 26th. He will be at New York City's 54 Below. I have a full meet and greet available. Again, on the website, you check out www.monkeysconvention2016.com. You can order your tickets from there. You can also order the CD for Mickey's show, a little bit Broadway, a little bit rock and roll, and have it autographed. I will personally get it autographed for you and send it out to you if you are unable to make it. Makes a wonderful Christmas gift, holiday gift, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever. But a wonderful gift, Mickey will autograph it. And Mickey will be taking pictures with the fans at this meet and greet. Tickets are extremely limited. So if you wanna go, we also have transportation available separately if you are interested in that. And I have so many other things, I'm so excited. Why don't we talk about the Flower Power Cruise coming Next February 29th, 
2016. The Cruise. Time Life presents Flower Power Cruise. Just added Peter Asher and the Family Stone. This cruise is going to leave from Fort Lauderdale on February 29th. That evening, we are going to be doing a little tribute to Davy to celebrate not only that wonderful human being and the anniversary of his passing, but also the reason why most of us had the opportunity to meet in the first place at the Davy Jones Memorial Convention. So it's fitting that we should all be together on that date. All the information on that Time Life Cruise is available again on the website. And make sure when you call, you ask for the Monkeys Convention discount because there are special discounts that our group is getting. Folks will get to see Mickey Dolans on that cruise, including Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Felix Cavalieri's Rascals, The Grassroots, The Guess Who, The Herman Hermits, with featuring Peter Noon, Jefferson Starship, Mark Lindsay, former lead singer Paul Revere and the Raiders, The Turtles, Flo and Eddie, Cersei Link, and more. And we might as well mention Monkey Jam 2016. Tell us all about that, Jody. Saturday, June 4th, 2016, celebrating 50 years of Monkey Mania. It's going to run from 10 to 10, probably later than that if I had to take a guess. I already have over 20 vendors that are going to be there. We currently have a GoFundMe account up. The GoFundMe is to help me put on Monkey Jam 2016. Monkey Jam is going to be on Saturday, June 4th, 2016, celebrating 50 years of Monkey Mania. We encourage you to order your tickets while they're on pre-sale. Tickets are only $36.50. We have an incredible lineup of bands, fun, friends, and an entire day of monkeying around. Largest monkey walk, an all-together jam for monkeys I'm a believer and, and daydream believer, and a showing of the movie Head Under the Stars, 8 p.m., So if you've never seen the movie, if you have seen the movie, we want you to sing along, recite all the lines, dress as the guys. This is Rocky Horror Picture Show for monkey fans on the big uh, movie screen. June 4th, 2016 in Atco, New Jersey. Details on hotel and transportation are coming. But if you could please help GoFundMe, that would make such a difference in what I'm able to bring to all of the fans. I'm asking if everybody could pitch in $5. $5 is not a lot of money. $5 will put your name on the back of the official t-shirt. The official t-shirt will not be out until around June, but it is my thank you to all the Monkees fans because this is a collective situation. Just like with your program, stuff like this only gets done from us all sticking together. But $5 will get your name on the back of the t-shirt. And this way, it is a family effort. And of course, you hope to set the world record for the world's largest monkeys walk. Tell us about that. We're all going to stand together, play that famous Here We Come song, and we're all going to join in doing the monkeys walk so that when we contact Guinness Book of World Records with this viral video, we can go on record as having done the biggest 
walk in history. That's going to be somewhere around 6 p.m. on June 4th at Monkey Jam. Then around 7 p.m., we're going to do another wonderful, exciting, just mind-blowing event. I want every one of the Monkees fans to come with every instrument that they play. If you play the guitar, if you play the tambourine, if you play the tuba, the drums, I don't care what you play. I want you to learn Daydream Believer and I'm a Believer. My goal is to get a crane so that we can be up in the air to videotape every one of the Monkees fans that come to Monkey Jam 2016 playing their instruments, singing the lyrics to Daydream Believer and I'm a Believer so that we can get this captured for the 50th anniversary of Monkey Mania and make this go viral. Also to be submitted to the Guinness Book of World Records, but something that every one of us Monkey fans have because it's 50 years still strong. That's what we are, Monkeys fans, that are not going to allow this phenomenon to to die down. We're, we're going stronger than ever. So tickets are available. Tickets are only $36.50. That's it. I'm not trying to have people go broke. You want to bring your own food, your own transportation, your own alcohol. I don't care what you bring. You don't have to spend any more money. I want everybody to come because they want to meet each other. And so far, I already have people coming from all over the world. Fans from England, from Peru, from Japan are coming because this one day is when all of us are going to celebrate the 50 years of music, sing, meet each other, take pictures, and prove to everybody that we may have, you know, been goofy in school, but we're not goofy 50 years later as we're still 100% strong monkey fans. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you, Jody, for coming on and giving us all this great news and info and where we can see Mickey and all this exciting stuff happening. And thank you for being part of Zilch. I just love you guys so much. Thank you for keeping all of the fun and the phenomenon alive. Well, thank you. Always good to hear from Jody, and she's got a lot of stuff cooked up. If you're a Monkees fan or a Mickey's fan, there is a lot of stuff going on there, right, Melanie? Absolutely. Now, before we go on with the show, we'd like to make a bit of an announcement. Our Sarah Clark has set up a bit of a contest, and you can win a free Zilch t-shirt. da 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 And all you have to do... Well, what, 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 do, what do you have to do? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. You have to vote in the favorite Zilch episode poll you have that Sarah has set up. Okay, well, why don't you say that? I think I just did. Yeah, but say it so we don't sound stupid. I didn't sound stupid. I, I know, sounded I said perfectly we. reasonable. You have to vote in the favorite Zilch episode poll that Sarah set up. And you get to pick your favorite episodes of Zilch, and we pick one winner at random, and hopefully it's you listening right now. But we're going to make that announcement on our next episode. So be waiting for that. Which will be our discussion off side two of Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Now you made a made me a bet that, that I couldn't uh, say that without stumbling over that line. I am very impressed with how accurately, succinctly, and smoothly you said the name of that album. <laughs> well done. Well, thank you. Well, today we're discussing... 
the first side of Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. So, oh, two in a row. Yay, without Ken. a net, folks. Doing this without a net. I'm a pro. What can I tell you? Well, let's get into that right after this ad of something as a Zilch and Monkeys fan you might be into. 7A Records is proud to present Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection, available for pre-order on Amazon and Amazon UK. Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection will be released on July 13th. This initial vinyl pressing is limited to 450 copies. Get yours now. This beautiful package and a gatefold sleeve features an exclusive Mickey Dolan's interview. A gorgeous 12-page booklet with previously unseen Henry Dilt's pictures and blue 180-gram vinyl. Even if you don't have a record player, this is simply stunning. Mickey Dolan's The MGM Singles Collection is a must-have for serious collectors. Available from 7A Records and Entertainment. This is Sarah Clark. The rest of the Zilch team and I would like to send out our best wishes to Zilch Monkey Man Zach Mortensen, his family, and the family of his donor on the one-year anniversary of his heart transplant, which took place on August 31st, 2014. Zach, being a monkey man, is actually using this occasion to pay forward what his donor did for him by collecting the names of at least 365 new and existing organ donors. And guess what? You can help! Just open up Facebook and type in 365 Angel Hearts for Zach into the search box. That's 365 Angel Hearts for Z-A-K. Once you're there, like the page, and then post to the page letting Zach know that you're an organ donor. Now if you're not an organ donor yet, then just follow the simple instructions on his page and then post there letting Zach know that you're now signed up. Again, that's facebook.com slash 365 Angel Hearts for Z-A-K. And now, on with the show. The reason I had you say that again is because it's doing that weird, it did that weird thing. Oh, I had the filter on. I should have doing his Elmer Fudd impression. Let me turn that off. Okay. All right. And welcome to our much-requested roundtable on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. And today I'm joined by Jeff Hewlett. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Craig Cohen. Hey, hey, I am a Monkees fan. Sarah Clark. Good evening, everybody. And from our first episode, not episode one, but episode zero, a returning zilcher... Chris Karam, welcome back to the show, sir. It's good to be back on Zilch after the podcast special that was repurposed as episode zero. I've, I've been waiting for the. I'm probably actually I'm the one who's been waiting for this one. So there you go. I figure if we have you on every 49 episodes, it'll be you know. <laughs> the yeah, mark. well, you know, I, I'm I'm brought back to the discussion we had before the show when you said, "Yeah, I see Zilch being like an eight-episode miniseries." Yeah, that uh, best laid plans of men and mice, eh? Yeah, loving every episode of it. Oh, I'm glad you enjoy it. Who knew how far we would come, right guys? Oh, totally. Incredible. Well, today we're doing this much requested episode, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. And we're going to talk about the album proper. 
and we're going to start it off with just general thoughts. Craig Cohn, what are your general thoughts about Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited? If you're a fan of Mike Nesmith, you're probably going to love this album. If you love Mickey Dolan singing for the monkeys, you might not like it as much. <laughs> Jeff Hewlett. Uh, wow. I, I don't know what really what to say about this record. I think this is the this is the one, right? This is the um the the probably what most people consider the best monkeys album of all time. And I think one particular track on this album when we get to it is is kind of that Clarksville equivalent when you think of the quintessential tracks. Uh, I, I think uh, when when you say Clarksville is probably up near the top, and then I think this one track on this album it kind of weighs in right next to it. So I, to me, it's, it's a mixed bag, but overall, it, it it definitely ranks amongst one of the best albums they put out. Hmm. Agreed. You know, I I had no idea that you held a Peter Percival Patterson's pet pig Porky in such high regard, but we'll get to that. Ken, don't flip my card so early. Oh, oh okay, I won't, I won't. Okay. Sarah Clark, your your overall thoughts on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. This is the best Monkeys album, in my opinion. In the liner notes to the deluxe version, Peter talks a little bit about how this album was a compromise between the band just being the four of them playing versus bringing in the studio musicians i think that's less of a compromise than sort of striking the perfect balance because it is very much a monkey's album it has a monkey's sensibility and i think chip douglas is a big part of that but it also has more layers the sounds are richer the 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 music we're getting is more complex and in a very good way uh-huh. chris karam well i think uh pisces aquarius capricorn and jones limited wow i said it um, represents the monkey. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it definitely represents the artistic peak for the monkey. This is, it's not only the artistic peak, but it, for me, it's kind of like the end of an era because in the wake of this, you know, several months later, the show goes off the air, Peter leaves. I mean, what a way to celebrate your music and make such a great album like this. Referencing what uh, Sarah was just talking about, uh, several years ago, Peter was being interviewed on a Boston talk radio show, and the whole thing about the mixed mode thing came into it, and he basically said that that was the beginning of the end for him when he knew that they weren't going to be a band like they were on headquarters. Mm-hmm. And I, I also agree with what Sarah said about the a really good mix between the monkeys, the session players, and the music overall because typically in my world, the best albums tend to have different types of music on them, not just one song ten times over. And this album's got a little bit of everything as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. This is one of my favorite monkeys albums. Of course, it's one of the the first five, the, the sacred five, if you will. There's not much bad I can say about it. Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited was the fourth album by the Monkees, released on November 6, 1967, when the Monkees were exerting more control over their music and actually playing many of the instruments themselves, something their record company had previously forbidden. The group did employ studio musicians to a greater extent than their previous album, Headquarters, on which all four musicians played almost entirely on their own. Guitarist Michael Nesmith is heard vocally on this album more than ever before singing lead on five cuts. Mickey Dolan sings lead on only three tracks after dominating the group's first three albums. The album's single, Pleasant Valley Sunday, Back With Words, was a double-sided hit. That single was released on July 10, 1967. Words got all the way up to number 11 and Pleasant Valley Sunday up to number 3. So there we go. Well, let's kick off 
our discussion of this by talking about they say you can't judge a book by the cover what do you guys think of the cover Chris Karen please please take lead on this I love the cover I, in fact I love the fact that not only is it, is it a great uh, piece of artwork but like they almost bury the monkey's logo into the artwork mm -hmm. it's not like the first three where the logo is big and bold and you know in your face it's there you have to look for it though and I think it speaks to maybe them becoming a little more confident in being a band or being a group and just kind of allowing that out there in such a way that people kind of have to look at that and go, oh, oh, it's the monkeys. But it's a great piece of artwork, and I think it ranks up there with anything, you know, of that time period. Mm -hmm. Jeff? Well, I agree with uh, with Chris that it is a great piece of artwork, and I've, I've always enjoyed the cover. I, I just, I'm, I'm not quite sure it ages as well. Uh, it does feel a little bit late 60s. It feels a little hippie, but uh, maybe maybe that's the way it was intended. But it is definitely most iconic Monkeys cover, I think, in, in the entire run of their albums. Agreed. Craig Cohen? It's interesting in the sense that it's not a photograph cover, which, you know, normally you're selling a band, especially a band like the Monkeys, on the guys in the band so it's it's kind of neat to see the monkeys hinted at and no faces so it's actually a, a pretty gutsy cover um, and I will sort of back up Jeff when it, it does definitely um, you know scream you know late 60s mm -hmm. Sarah Clark your thoughts this cover is so the best word I can think of it is impressionistic it's sort of Monet by way of LSD or something. And it's interesting hearing Chris and some of the other folks' comments about the cover, because I'd like to read a little bit from the liner notes again. Sandoval writes, When cover artist Bernard Yesen came to illustrate the Monkees' fourth album, he took a brave step. The group would be drawn in silhouette only, with just their respective astrological signs hinting at their identities. The Monkees were so popular and so hot uh, at the time, he says of the concept, that I could do just about anything that reminded you of the Monkees. I could do an album cover and just show their outline, and people would identify them. People would know they were the Monkees. That's amazing. How many bands have reached that? Just off the top of your head, what bands do you think have, have ever reached that sense of, of importance to culture? Beatles. That they, the Beatles are definitely one. I, I would say Kiss is another one. The Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely not Nickelback. <laughs> That's Infamy. Yes, yes. yes. But even Infamy, but yeah, but even Infamy and rock and roll can be good. Mm-hmm. You know? When guns, sure. Like Guns N' Roses. I mean, Nickelback is just, well, whatever. But it's definitely limited company. Almost know? definitely, for sure. I mean, you, you know, there are other there are other bands who historically never put their own images on an album cover, or rarely did, like Pink Floyd. Uh -huh. uh, yep, yep, yep. So, but in order to 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 draw an outline of yourself and still be recognizable, is a different thing, I think. Yeah, and especially without the face, that's that's absolutely amazing. It's a very Good job. I would say it's probably the most iconic cover. I'm surprised it hasn't been utilized more in merchandising throughout the years. It's strange. We've seen headquarters utilized a lot, even if they're airbrushing members out from time to time, depending on who's actually in the band. <laughs> 
you know, like we've never seen this with someone missing, for example. Did you ever see the infamous incident a few years ago when Van Halen, on their official website, all of a sudden Michael Anthony had been taken off the album covers and Eddie's son, who apparently time-traveled to go back and re-record the bass parts, was put on it? Mm-hmm. It was, it was taken down after a day, but like, man. Yeah, I, I remember that controversy quite well. Yeah, and well, Black Sabbath's currently doing it with all of their old pictures where they just look like a trio and Bill Ward's nowhere to be found. Yeah. Yep. Same Stones with, just did it on their Sticky Fingers reissue with uh, Bill Wyman, from what I'm yeah. told. That's mm. sad. Very sad. Yeah, very sad. And it's odd, in New Zealand, there was actually a sticker placed on the album with a Red Monkeys logo underneath the Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones logo to make sure that people really knew that this was the Monkeys. A little... Someone thought that it was worth printing that sticker up and slapping it on there, so kind of bizarre. I, I would have to say this is probably my favorite design for a monkey's cover, period. I can't think of anything that really jumps out at me other than their first album, which is so personable and so full of personality. That one kind of jumps out at me, but this is the closest from an artistic standpoint. I think we could all agree. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. Ken, but I, one thing I would I would interject though is that I think the cover of Head was kind of avant-garde in the way that it was reflective. Yes. And you saw your own reflection in it. I thought that was really really creative. Maybe not yeah. quite the same way, right. but I, I would put that up there as maybe the second best cover, just for the creativity. Yeah. Sadly you know, though, it never really always worked. It depending on how the printing was going that day, or you know if it if you wound up mm-hmm. with an older messed True. up version you know True. now well, that sort of thing is easily accomplished all right well let's kick off our first song and that's salesman salesman where you going to go sell all of your goods today salesman gonna walk along the street see friends along the way and we'll go to jeff hewlett for this one Oh, wow. I get to go first. So, you know, w- one thing I, I really enjoy about this album, and uh, I think once we, we get into our next album commentary, this will be even more of a topic, but this record for a really popular band back at the time who was popular with teenagers and young people, the mature subject matter presented in this first song, I mean, it's about a traveling salesman, right, who walks from door to door selling stuff, which is something that doesn't really happen anymore today, but was still, you know, kind of prevalent back then. It it really is kind of jarring to think that, you know, a band that you would, appeals to young people who would be in the market for pop songs about, you know, love and relationships and dating and things like that. Now, you're you're coming out of the gate, first track out of the gate is a very serious matter that may not necessarily appeal to your target audience, mm-hmm. as it were. So I think it's kind of ambitious, and I've always been really partial to, to Salesman and some of the more mature songs that are coming up on this record. So this this one scores pretty high on the rankings for me. This song was written by Craig Vincent Smith. No relation to our zilch friend Craig Smith, who has the Pods and Sods show. <laughs> Lead vocal by Michael Nesmith, backing vocals by Mickey Dolenz, Davy Jones, and Chip Douglas. Craig Cohen, your thoughts? Great opening track. You know, a lot of albums are made by their track listing, and I think, although the track listing of this album might be a little questionable for me, 
this is definitely the the song they should have led with and it's weird seeing michael nesmith sing a song that he didn't write Uh just because we're so used to seeing him him being this amazing sort of multi-purpose talent but i gotta say that this might be one of my favorite vocals from nesmith it's just the the ease with which he delivers it and um it just it it feels like a really uh, natural unforced casual uh vocal that almost sort of further sells for lack of a better word the concept of the song agreed sarah clark the highlight for this song for me it's a theme that repeats through the album is the rhythm section uh based by chip douglas eddie ho making i think his his album debut with the monkeys on drums and oh my goodness they work so well together and they just provide this bopping easygoing vibe that drives the song along um uh, we were talking earlier about the subject matter of this one. This one sailed over my head when I was 10 years old. It was mm-hmm. kind of interesting returning back to the Monkees catalog in my late teens when, you know, I'd given up the battle to be too cool for the Monkees. And it suddenly dawned on me what that song was really about. Uh, I think I had to hear the version with Mike's uh, outro at the end for it to fully sink in. We hear basically about Mike talking about the issues between various rolling papers. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Always end up looking like lucky strikes. <laughs> Chris Karam, your thoughts? Well, I'm shocked and chagrined to think that there would be drug references in a monkey song. I know. Sarcasm aside, um, I'm not generally a fan of country music, but I do like I do love Nez's country, uh, or his country rock. I love the satirical uh, lyrics, the, the sarcastic, the sort of semi-sarcastic tone he takes to sing them, and um, I was just going to say, was this supposed to be the drug song? But uh, Sarah just uh, kind of answered that for me. And didn't they try to ban this from an episode because of the alleged drug references? Devil and Peter Tork, yeah. Okay, yeah. It was featured on the TV show in the episode The Devil and Peter Tork and caused controversy when NBC objected to the episode citing the song and its veiled drug reference in the third verse. The song refers to the adventures of a traveling salesman. You can hear the difference between Mickey's drumming and Eddie Ho's drumming definitely by some of the uh, fills on this album where he kind of uh, has an ease that Mickey does not have. It's it's quite evident on this, but Mickey was learning as he was going, so... Excellent song. I, too, was surprised to find out that this could be anything related to drugs. I just always thought it was about this old guy going along the neighborhood selling his tins and various things. Ah, uh, the wonderfulness of youth <laughs> and innocence. <laughs> yeah. And here's the monkeys doing Salesman live in Japan. マイクネスの作詞作曲街を
Now, we're going to enter to some songs here that if you were surprised by any thoughts of salesmen being more than an old man selling copper and tin, you're going to have your mind blown by the rest of this episode. Let's move on to track two, where she hangs out. like to take this one? Yep. Davey warning his girlfriend about her little sister's bad behavior and her risk of getting in trouble. You in know, trouble. kids. <laughs> in trouble. Dun, dun, in dun. trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do have to say, this is actually a rare case in the Monkey's catalog where I think the horn section actually helps this song. I really like uh, kind of the aspect it adds to this one. Only Davy could actually pull this song off in 67 without it just coming off as totally wrong. 
I do want to recommend, though, that uh, if you haven't heard it, check out Peter's take on this song. Uh, he does it with Shoe Suede Blues on uh, Step by Step, I want to say, their newest album, and it is a riot. Well, why don't you introduce that? Here is Peter Tork and Shoe Suede Blues with She Hangs Out. Do they run, they run, they do they run, run, she hangs out. She hangs out. Uh, how old you say your sister was? you can check out his music we encourage you to do that do a search for Bandcamp and Peter Torque and you'll find where you can buy his stuff Jeff Hewlett your thoughts 
Well, we're back to Davey singing about girls, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So from early morning <laughs> blues and greens, we think he's maturing and right back to girls again. Now, you know, this is one of those songs that when I was younger, I didn't care for much, but grew on me uh, more as I as I grew older. But I, I, I'll definitely say I love the horns on this. As Sarah said, I think they really help the track. But there's a there's a, there's an earlier version of this song that you can pretty easily get your hands on. It's on one of the missing links or a bonus track somewhere that I think is far better. It's a quite a simpler version. It doesn't feel as uh, I don't know if the word dirty is right. It just doesn't feel as schmoozy. It's a, it's a little less produced, and I think it comes off a little bit better. But definitely, Davey is the only one that could have pulled this track off. I can't imagine uh, any of the other guys singing this and and making it sound as convincing uh, as Davey does. So, but definitely uh, to check out that earlier version if you're uh, if you're a Monkeys fan. I'm sure you probably have it already. Mm-hmm. This was used on episode 41 of the Monkeys TV series, the card carrying red shoes episode. And note that that is without the horns. So there you go. This was a remake of the January 1967 cut that Don Kirshner released without authorization in Canada. The release helped lead to Kirshner's firing from Coal Gem Records, at which point the villagers all screamed, Huzzah! Um, <laughs> Craig Cohen, your thoughts? I, um, I really like this song. It's probably one of my favorite Davy songs, if we're only looking at the catalog that we've covered so far. I like the energy of the song. I love the the backing vocals. It's so great to see Mickey providing backup vocals when he's not featured. Very, very cool. I, I also really dig the fact that we get that sort of doo-wop feel to it. And then you see that it was co-written or, or it was written by, by Jeff Barry, who co-wrote the Crystals hit, The Do Run Run. So yes. uh, very cool connection there. Very good. Chris Karam, your thoughts? Well, I'm going to have to disagree with Jeff on the merits of this versus the original uh, B-side version. The B-side version, to me, uh, the vocal's a little more mannered, and although I will say that I do like the fuzz tone guitar in that version, it's excellent. But this one has more of that Davy Jones sway, for want of a better word. It's just kind of, you, you can picture him doing the Davy Jones thing while he's singing this. And... I don't know, you know, and maybe it's cheesy, but you know what? That was part of what made the monkeys the monkeys, and Davy Jones, you know, Davy Jones and Davy Jones part of the monkeys. Uh-huh. So, and and I heard this version first, and I think uh, a lot of times the first version you hear tends to be the one that sticks with you, especially where I didn't hear the uh, B-side version probably until that uh, deluxe remaster came out about ten years ago or so. Very good, and you say you can picture Davy doing that sway. Well, you actually can because it was a video for the television show and one of my favorites, lots of fun, from the famed Rainbow Room scenes. So, you know, when, when they shot all those in that one room. So, there you go. As far as the subject matter of the song, some people are looking at it through a, a filter from, from today's, you know, like, like looking at, at it through the lens and the filters of today, where Davy's kind of ogling the younger sister, but uh, he's also, it's a bit of a cautionary tale saying, hey, she, she might get uh, in trouble if you don't get down here, uh, you know, on the uh, double. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely a fun song to me. I don't see anything all that controversial about it. It's all there, folks, if you, if you want to look for it. Or it's just a harmless pop song. 
It's your take, whatever you give to it. And now one of my favorite songs, During the Summer, written by Chip Douglas and Bill Martin, with lead vocal by Michael Nesmith, harmony vocals by Mickey Dolenz. With his fool's gold stacked up all around him From a killing in the market on the lawn Door into summer. Chris Karam, your thoughts? Well, I absolutely love this song. It's got a great melody. The lyrical imagery really does evoke summertime. And you've just got Nesmith again at the top of his form. He really is the MVP of this album as far as I'm concerned. And until I listened last night with, with notes and I was really kind of being critical, that's when it dawned on me, and I've been listening to that, this album for almost 20 years, and it finally kind of dawned on me that this is really Nez's album in terms of uh, dominance, for want of a better word, but great song, great, you know, excellent, excellent. Craig Cohen, your thoughts? Yeah, I would have to agree that, that Nesmith is the MVP of this album, mainly because he's the voice that we hear the most, which is the, the most curious thing about this for me and i haven't researched it much but is it the fact that they recorded so much in 1967 that it was just mike's turn or but either way we get some really like i said some great vocals from from nesmith i don't know if he was more comfortable with his voice or more comfortable with his his position and the power he had within his band but either way we got some great music out of it and i also think it's funny that this song almost seems like it might have been an influence on uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash for their song Southern Cross that would come out mm. um, way, you know, way in the future in 1982. Very good. Sarah Clark? This is a song I have always loved. Even when I was younger, I enjoyed the music to it. The acoustic guitars give such great texture to this song. We know that Chip Douglas was one of them, and then there's kind of a question mark between by Michael Nesmith's name, so they may have both been on acoustic on that. And also Peter's keyboard, just so childlike and, and wistful, that keyboard line just makes it. And, and you're right, it's just a song of summertime. And I, as I have matured, it's one of those songs like Early Morning Blues and Greens, the older you get, the more poignant and the more meaningful the lyrics become. It's one of the songs in their catalog that just ages like wine. And I strongly suggest that to folks that you listen to the version of this that Nez has been doing live on the last couple of tours because he just blows it out of the park. And here's the monkeys performing Door Into Summer live from Maryville, Indiana, May 31st, 2014.
excellent version. This song has tremendous meaning to me, and as you said, like for example, early morning blues and greens, and uh, I'd also throw in there shades of gray, that this is one of those songs that the full meaning becomes more apparent as time goes on. I'm now in my 50s and I look at how short life really is and that the song speaks to that and if only the character in the song would have spent the time better instead of trying to stack cash it uh, could have been a better life for he and his children possibly there's a great message in there for everybody Jeff Hewlett your thoughts perfect segue perfect segue Ken Uh, I'll I'll echo everybody else's sentiments this is probably one of my favorite monkey songs of, of all time and mm-hmm. it the lyrically it had a huge huge impact on me when I was younger and just for the reasons that you said I think this this almost could be required listening uh, you know for teenagers because it really is a it's almost a warning it's a wake-up call I mean you, you got a guy who is so obsessed with money and careerism that he puts off pleasure and and family for the sake of, of making money and you know one of the the verses in particular it, to me is so impactful you know talking about the you know him putting off his vacation his travel log of, of maybe next year places because he's trading it in to have a uh, his title on the door of his office right and you know finally he pays for it with years he cannot buy back with his tears when he finds out there's been no one keeping score i mean wow you know, all of us who work for a living and and try to struggle to get promoted and get up climb up the ladder i mean when you look back on it and think of the time you spent and uh-huh. you know this this guy he gave up all this stuff just to have money only to turn around and find out that it was really meaningless in the end and you know no one's no one's writing an epitaph for him uh you know talking about how great he was for hoarding all that cash and having that title on the door spectacular spectacular song i i can't say enough good stuff about it it's definitely one of my favorites kind of thematically the ties in with mr webster in a sense who oh, most definitely who also oh, yeah. thought that people should recognize his time <laughs> as far as who played what and all that written by chip douglas and bill martin lead vocal by michael nussmith harmony vocals by mickey dolans Guitar and bass, Chip Douglas, drums, Mickey Dolans, and Eddie Ho. And Eddie Ho is credit with the drumming, but some evidence exists that the the first take featuring Mickey on drums, close listening to the finished recording, will reveal that there are two separate drum tracks. The right channel features a restrained drumming, which continues through the entire track. At the start of the second verse, another less restrained drummer begins in the left channel and continues throughout the rest of the song. That's assuming you're listening to the stereo version. That's true, right. and I am. So, uh, yeah, I actually um, for this episode I listened exclusively to the mono version, which I just adore. I listened to both, and I will say that uh, the mono version definitely has more bass. My subwoofer got a little more, much more of a workout from that than the stereo version. Mm-hmm. If anyone, you know, if people are interested in that kind of thing, but and I almost think it might be a situation where like the Beatles, that the mono mix might be better than the stereo. I'd have to do some more comparative listening, but I definitely like the bass more. The stereo sounded thinner to me. Hmm. Interesting. Jeff, where do you come down on that? And Sarah, where do you come down on that? Jeff, you first. Oh, well, I, I think I've said this before on the show, and, and mono typically, uh, in, in general, bothers my ears. I've never been a fan of mono. Uh, you know, I've got the, the Beatles catalog in mono and in stereo, the, the monkey stuff in mono and in stereo. And 
you know, I understand purists and, and their their affection for mono, but for me, if I slap on a pair of headphones, mono typically bugs me. It just doesn't sound right to me. So, And I, I appreciate everybody's got their own opinions, and I'm not slighting mono at all, but ne- never been a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Sarah? Well, I don't have a huge opinion because I don't think I've ever listened to this album in mono. The version I got uh, from Rhino in the 80s was stereo, as have been you know, all the CD versions, but I think that I own anyway. I, I think I may uh, try to see if I can track down a mono Pisces and uh, listen to it and kind of do my own uh, comparison shopping there because now I'm curious. Regardless of any of our opinions, someone somewhere, there is there is an audiophile somewhere gasping. So, uh. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, and I know a forum where they live. Yes. Hello, Steve and everybody. Yep. Yep. Oh, good. Wow, you got that. That was great. Yep. You're not, you're not only the pod father, you're also omniscient. Uh-huh. Well, it goes without saying. Davy Jones on percussion, keyboards, Peter Torque, and there are some other people. The title for this song is based on a novel by sci-fi author Robert Heinlein. So, there you go. This song was used in the episodes Monkeys on the Wheel and Some Like It Lukewarm. So, there we go. Our next track, Love is Only Sleeping, written by Barry Mann and Cynthia Wilde. Once I loved, but love is dead And I whispered sometimes Love is only sleeping Craig Cohn, would you like to take this one? This is one song where I think they made a wrong choice. I really think I listen to this song and I hear a Mickey Dolan's lead vocal. And I know he does harmony vocals on this, but this is a song that I think really, really would have benefited from you know, that really strong, powerful Mickey um, Dolan's rock voice. But aside from that, it's a good song. I mean, we, we haven't we haven't hit a clunker yet, which is, you know, on any album, that's remarkable. Right. Absolutely. You know, I've never thought about it like that. You've now given me a new way to listen to this song because I think that Mickey would have killed it on this. Nothing against what Mike did. Though the way Rhino is, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a handmade set that comes out and we'll find out that, yes, he did indeed take a swing. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Sarah Clark. Of course, the way his voice is, they could just, you know, Sandoval could stick him in a studio now. They could do it and say it was from 67, and, you know. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Uh, These guys aren't Kiss. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, this song. Um, I I honestly had never thought about Mickey singing this song, but I think it could be a really interesting take on, on the tune. The, the notes I had on it were more about the, the composition itself and also Chip Douglas, the bass on this. I just love what he does on the bass line. And um, I kind of like sort of the playing around with uh, meter that goes on during the verses. It, it, it just kind of draws you deeper into the song and kind of keeps your attention. So, mm-hmm. Chris Karam. Well, I'm going to re- represent the loyal opposition here and say I can't imagine anybody but Nesmith singing. Um, when I first got this um, in six, 
no, 86, because I got the Rhino LP reissue. Uh, you know, the first thing I thought was, oh, I remember this song from the, you know, the show back 10 years ago when I was watching it as a kid. It's such a haunting song. It just got such a great tone to it. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I'm trying to imagine Mickey singing it, and you know, he probably could, but you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't need to have Mickey on it. Nesmith is just fine. I think the song is great. I think the production is great. And I have to ask, what is that hissing sound that go, runs through the song? Or you, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. I, I can't think of what instrument it is or what they did, but there's that weird hissing sound that kind of. I thought that was a vocal. Hmm. Sound effects. Yeah. Sound effects by Bill Chadwick. So oh, there you go. I can't, or, I'm trying to think of how to describe it, but it sounds like a a rat, almost like a hissy sort of rattling noise. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's an alternate mix on the deluxe version that takes that out. Aha! Uh-huh. But uh, a great, you know, like I said, great song. And just to think that you know, Mickey, yeah, he, he probably could sing it, but I don't think he needs to. I think it's just great as is, and I wouldn't change it. Um, yeah, it's some percussion thing I want to say, but I'm not sure what it's. Almost kind of like could be like a gasping in sorts. Right there. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Right there. This sounds like someone breathing in and out. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Interesting. That's it. it. It it just runs throughout the whole song, and I've always wondered what it was. Well, I'm going to assume that that's sound effects by Bill Chadwick. <laughs> or, or you know, it could be them choking Kirshner. Uh, he was gone. <laughs> Jeff Hewlett. So is this the, the third non-country song by Nez so Ooh. far on this record? Yes. So gotta, gotta applaud Nez for departing from the, uh, the, the country vibe that dominated him through most of the, uh, the prior albums. So, uh, this definitely isn't one of my favorite, uh, tracks on the record, but it is interesting. Uh, I again like for the the non-country sound. I, I do enjoy it, and it's the sound effects that that Chris was bringing up make it a very interesting listen. Uh, maybe if it was in a different place in the running order, it would seem to fit better. Um, not quite sure because it's sandwiched between, you know, Door in the Summer, which is very contemplative, and, and Cuddly Toy, which is pretty upbeat. So um, maybe if it was it was shuffled around a little bit. Uh, you know, other than that, it's I, I don't I agree with Chris that I think that Mike was the good choice to sing this. I'm not sure how it would have fared with with Mickey on the vocals. Um, maybe Peter could have done a better job. Hmm. Interesting. No laughs. No laughs. Oh, but no, I think uh, <laughs> no, I think Mike was the right choice for this, to be honest. And and, and uh, I, I can definitely see Mickey's got probably got the best uh, vocals of the of anybody in the band, but. Uh, the way that the, the the haunting nature of the song and the, the downbeat uh, nature of the song, I think Mike just fits it well. The way he the way he sings it, the way he uh, he embraces the lyric, I think it works for me. The song was featured on three episodes of the TV show Everywhere a Shake Shake. I was a ninety nine pound weakling, and the monkeys in Paris. This song was also the first song by Michael Nesmith after his surgery in 1967. So there you go. Hmm. He had the blessing removed. (laughs) 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 No, didn't he have his tonsils taken out? That's why his voice changes. I mean, his spoken voice, you can hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Part of season one, you know, part of season two, he sounds like he did the first season. And then 
And they shuffle the episodes around too, so one episode he's got the season one voice and you know, the next one the season two voice. Uh-huh. Kind of like I am now, you know? Interesting. It's recorded at RCA Victor Studios, Hollywood, June 19th and August 1967. Of course, we have Peter on organ, Eddie Ho on drum, Chip on bass and acoustic guitar, Mike on electric guitar, backing vocals, Davy Jones and Chip Douglas, lead vocals, Michael Nesmith, harmony vocals, Mickey Dolan. So we are four songs into a Monkees record, and we have not heard Mickey Dolan's on lead vocal yet. Kind of bizarre when you think about it. There was going to be a single that was released, Love Is Only Sleeping, and backed with Daydream Believer, which was going to be one of those double-sided things. It was the original single to precede the album, but it was canceled due to fears that the title of the A-side might be too risque. Love is only sleeping, that is. Daydream Believer was chosen instead as the A-side with Going Down. Which, now, if you were to release that, that would be the one that would have the uh, too risque connotation. But yeah. not Going in, Down should have been the A-side, yeah. IMO. There you go. IMO, bringing all the hip lingo to the zilch, though. Okay, uh, there we go. The next song is one of those weird ones that has a bit of controversy with it. Davy Jones sings it. It is Cuddly Toy. You're not the only cuddly toy that was ever enjoyed by any boy. You're not the kind of girl to tell your mother the kind of company it keeps. I never told you that to love no other You must have dreamed it in your sleep This song was written by Harry Nielsen, harmony vocals Mickey Dolans, backing vocal Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Chip Douglas with acoustic guitar by Michael Nesmith. And Davey plays, are you guys ready for it? The tambourine, of course. No. Yes, it's, it's it's his wheelhouse, and... Peter plays piano and electric piano, and there's a bunch of other credits, but we'll just stop there. The demo was under the name By Any Boy. This song and Door into Summer are the only song featuring Mickey behind the drums on this album. Sarah, you might as well kick this one off. Well, I like to think of the alternate title on this one as, I warned your sister during She Hangs Out. This is Harry Nielsen's Monkey's debut, if memory serves, and it's just, ah, oh, I love this sardonic music hall tune, and just built for Davey. I'm sure it was it was designed for him. I don't buy some of the more over-the-top theories about the meaning of this song, but it's, it's definitely about a less well-behaved girl who may have gotten herself into a bit of you know trouble again for kids with um, some less than well-behaved guys because it's not well, just yes. one-sided it's you but know. but that, that but the emphasis is more on the girls because of course it's still the 60s but we're mm-hmm. not going to go into a gender studies debate here so let's let's just slide on Th- that's our other side cast gender studies hey me and megan could do that that could be a um, this is Mickey's only contribution on drums, as was mentioned. Um, I, lo- I think his style works wonders on this tune, because it's just kind of like this rough and ready music hall kind of dance hall kind of music that I can also almost imagine this like coming out of a like a small boardwalk theater in, you know, Blackpool or Atlantic City or something like that. 
I've often heard of a rumor that there was an irate Mick Jagger at one point who was complaining that they were getting banned by the BBCs and their record company was telling that some of their subject matter was too much and he pointed to this album and said, how come they're doing these songs and getting away with it and we can't? Because they gave the edgiest stuff to Davey. Ah, you, you think that's it, huh? He can sell anything vocally. Mm-hmm. Craig Cohen. I love this song. I love it. I love the the feel of it. I love the lyrics. I love Davy's vocal, and it's one of those songs that just gets in your head, um, and that chorus just burrows its way in there, and you find yourself singing it when you're washing dishes or driving home from work or, or doing whatever you do uh, where you sing to yourself. Jeff Hewlett sings it in the parking lot at work before work in the morning, don't you, Jeff? No, I sing it on the way home, Ken. Oh, I knew it was one or the other. <laughs> Jeff, your thoughts on Cuddly Toy. So I'll, I'll echo everybody else's comments, but one thing that I'll, I'll add is that um, this is a little personal, but this this song has this very special place in my heart because it was um, my aunt Sue uh, Sue Patterson Hewlett, uh, may she uh, may she rest in peace. This was her favorite monkey song, Aww. and she would sing this around the house all the time. Uh, I remember her very fondly. Remember her singing this song. She really really loved it. She was a big big Davy fan, so. Uh, she passed away a few years ago, so a lot of good memories of her. I loved her very much. So this song will always have a, fav- a special place uh, in my heart because it was her her favorite. I I, uh, I think it's really great. It's great upbeat. It's a little quirky. Great sound. Um, I, I love the fact that, that on this album so far, Davey is still in his wheelhouse singing about girls, but it's more fun to listen to uh, than some of his previous songs about girls. <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, applause to Davey for uh, for stepping it up a notch and making it a little more fun. Yeah, it was weird because on headquarters we were actually getting songs where he was uh, not doing so well with the ladies. And we we all can probably kind of figure that was a, a load of hooey, I think is the old phrase. A load of hooey. Uh, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that he's done fairly well with the ladies. Uh, but it, it seems like he's having fun again. Some have interpreted the lyrics as being about a group sexual encounter. And if you're old enough to know that that story, then you know that story. We're not going to really dive into it. But it is stated in the notes to the CD's 1995 release that producer Lester Sill was very angered to discover the potential meaning behind this song. Chris Karam, your thoughts on Cuddly Toy? Well, when I was watching... Um the show back in the mid 70s when I discovered it and I heard the song you know on the show uh, to me it was just a song about cuddly toys I had no idea what they were singing about to me it was just a mm-hmm. cute song and you know I'm just going cuddly toy la 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 you know then you I revisited you know 10 or so years later when the monkey revival is in full swing and I'm buying the LP and I'm like oh this isn't just a cute song you know, there's a little subtext to it or something like that but it's an awesome song. I love the um, video version where it's just Davey and the band, and he's doing his little shuffle thing. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching one of the episodes earlier, and it's the one where he's doing the dance with the girl and all the monkeys are doing the thing. I prefer the band video version better for some reason. Where Mike's and sitting I'm gonna, on the piano and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also going to reprise my comment from episode zero, you know, about the when you're in the car, you're doing that Davy Jones thing where you're swaying side to side and in... If any of you tell me, or anybody listening tells me that they don't do that when they hear the song, they're lying. (laughs) 
You know, you can't help it. It's like involuntary. It's, it's almost like, you know, the precursor to Axl Rose, if you think about it. Well, on behalf of the Zilch staff, we, we request that you, as, as if you're texting or speaking on your cell phone, if you're going to dance like Davy Jones while sitting behind the wheel, that you are parked and in a safe area. <laughs> Zilch is not responsible for any tickets you may get or any accidents you have if you're dancing to Cuddly Toy. So, there you go. That was a public service announcement for Zilch. Yes. Yes. And finally, on the end of side one, finally, after all these songs, we get to hear Mickey Dolan sing a song. And what a song it is. I can still hear you saying those words that never were true. Spoken to help nobody but you. Words with lies inside, but small enough to hide till your plan was true. Jeff, you'll let your thoughts on words. Hated it. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> oh. uh, just kidding. Yeah, one of those iconic Mickey songs, I think. Um, this this kind of reminds me of Stepping Stone, uh, in a way. Mickey has a lot of relationship troubles he likes to sing about. So, you know, another another bad chick who's lying and, and does does really bad things. I absolutely I adore the organ break in the middle of the song. Uh, this is a great showcase for Mickey's vocals. And uh, you know, I I for the first Mickey song on the album, I don't know if you could have picked a better way to to bring Mickey crashing onto this record. Agreed. Craig Cohen, your thoughts on words? Um, this is another song that reminds me of how unfortunate it is that Peter Tork wasn't able to participate vocally as much in the Monkees as he did. I love the dual vocal between um, Peter and Mickey on this song, and uh, I think this song might be one of the most dated-sounding songs on the album. It almost seems like they were maybe listening to Jefferson Airplane or Starship or whatever they were called at the time. Um, but it's definitely a very cool song, and like Jeff Hewlett said, that organ break is just phenomenal. Uh-huh. Excellent. Chris Karam. When I first uh, heard this song, uh, again, it was in the reruns in the 70s, I always found this song to be kind of spooky. Not like a death, yeah. it really scared me, but there was a sort of weirdness to it that uh, just kind of, especially um, when Peter does the answer vocals. And it was kind of strange to me as a kid. And even just listening to it last night when I did my listening with notes, uh, the organ part kind of sounds like it could be from some sort of creature double feature type movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys got creature double feature during the 70s, but... The thing on Saturdays where they play two, you know, B horror movies from the '50s back to back, and it's got kind of got that feel to it. But excellent song. Um, the the way that Mickey and Peter trade the vocals back and forth is, is really awesome. And and again, it didn't dawn on me till last night when I was doing my real dedicated listening that this is the first Mickey Lee vocal on the whole album. And you know, you guys were saying earlier that he dominates the other three, which is right. And here he is, you know, the end of side one and finally he's getting a chance to bust out so that's that's kind of interesting but great song and um i i find that if you put this on a playlist it, it has to follow cuddly toy for me hmm. because of the way they there's no gap between the tracks very good sarah clark your thoughts on words we've been gushing a lot about mickey's vocals on here which are incredible of course but 
this is actually probably one of my top three favorite Peter vocals. He sort of does the same trick he did in Shades of Grey mm-hmm. of being paired with one of the other members of the band, sort of taking a co-lead position. I think he, I don't know if that just brings more confidence to his performances or what, but it works for him and it really plays to the strengths in his voice and it just, this the the trading of lines between Peter and Mickey just sucks you into the story of the song. Also, I gotta give another shout out to, to Peter for the great, the wonderful, wonderful organ work, the B3 work on this track. It is oh, yeah. just in incredible it makes it play it like a boss and of course the song is written by tommy boyce and bobby hart so it's nice to see them back on a monkey's album electric guitar michael nesmith lead vocals mickey and peter bass chip douglas drums eddie ho percussion michael nesmith that's not something you read very often chimes davy jones tree davy jones and the mighty hammond b3 of course played as mentioned by peter torque this song was originally recorded for more of the monkeys in august of 1966 but re-recorded for this album under the group's direction in the music video we see peter torque playing the, the guitar michael nesmith playing the bass davy jones playing the drums and dolan sings and flies and plays the piano since he rises above the rest of the band <laughs> some say that this is how the monkeys should have been that this should have been the lineup this song reached number 11 on the pop charts the version used in the summer of 1967 rebroadcast of the episodes Monkeys in a Ghost Town and Monkeys Chow Main, then used in the second season's episode Monkeys in Texas and Monkeys Paws, while the original version was used in the episode Monkeys in Manhattan. That's a stinker of an episode, by the way, but we'll get to that. Bottom five. <laughs> And, of course, the single version is not the album version. Dolan says, ah, twice on the single version. So there you go. And here's Peter Tork and Mickey Dolan's from July 31st, 2015 in Nashville, Giggling Through Words.
And that concludes our discussion of side one of Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited. Melanie Mitchell had a bet that I uh, would fumble saying that. So take that, Melanie. Anyway. Well, that was a very fun roundtable for the first side. Melanie, what'd you think? I can't wait to hear side two. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> and, be- and I can't believe how smoothly you got through saying that album title every time. Well done. I, I think it was the fact that you uh, bet me that I couldn't do it uh, is, is kind of the thing that did it. But before we close out side one, yes. our good friend Jeff Geringer, who we wanted to have on this roundtable, he just couldn't make the, the the recorded time. He only sits at square tables. Yes, he only sits at the at the square tables. Our good friend Square Table Jeff Geringer gives us his thoughts on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. There you go again. Take it away, Jeff. Thanks a lot, Ken. It's been fun to see all the discussion on uh, Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorns, and Jones Limited. The roundtable was incredible, and I love the stuff Melinda talked about. But let me give you kind of my take on it from the status of an eight-year-old. When the album did come out, I was eight years old. And I was one year into the fun and frolic and, and joyfulness of the monkeys. The first time I saw the LP, to be quite honest with you, I wasn't sure it was a real Monkeys LP. I'd gotten burned previously on um, makeshift monkeys. They had a an album called Monkey Business where they had a monkey on the cover. It was green and it had nothing to do with the guys except they covered their songs. So I was a little concerned, but when I turned the record over, saw the guys playing guitar, smiling, having a good time, I thought, okay, this is a real Monkeys album. I did well. So this is my viewpoint from a first-generation fan. The songs on Pisces Aquarius that mean most to me are the songs that were featured as videos or romps on the TV show. Um, How many kids used to sing and sway to cuddly toy behind closed doors in their bedroom? Um, That's how the song means to me. I know the the lyrics can be taken in the context that are different than an eight-year-old would understand, but the lyrics didn't mean anything to me when I was eight. God, I... This is embarrassing, but I remember recreating She Hangs Out, the video uh, with the classic rainbow wall. I'd always turn around on the back of my bedroom and start walking towards the wall like Davey did. It was embarrassing, and what's more embarrassing is that I'm admitting this to you now. But that's what I remember most about these songs. The Davey dance was so easy to do. When they did words, it made me want to go out and buy wind chimes. Of course, thank you, Mom. I already had a tambourine and maracas. And yes, they were red maracas. I was never a huge fan of Salesman. I could have cared less about the lyrics. I came to like it more when it was featured in my favorite Monkeys episode, The Devil and Peter Torque. I always thought that revolt was kind of them against Kirshner about not playing their own instruments. I always thought it was kind of sweet and sentimental, and I love Mike's speech. As a kid, I have to admit that Mike's songs were usually not my favorite. I, I much rather look towards Davies and Mickey's. Pleasant Valley Sunday has always been my favorite Monkeys hit. Again, another great video from the TV series. I just love the stuff in that rainbow wall. Pleasant Valley Sunday was a fun-loving video, and the guys were just having a blast. That's how I want to remember the Monkeys, just screwing around, joking, laughing, singing, 
I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. So the songs from the videos are always my favorite songs. And if you can imagine, Peter Purcell was awesome to an eight-year-old. Oh, God, I used to drive my parents just nuts to walk around the house doing the popping sound. Uh, these are the things that make childhood memories so special. As I got older, I learned to appreciate the other tracks on the album, and I rediscovered many of Mike's tunes that I had passed over. One such gem for me was What Am I Doing Hanging Round? I came to love that song when the guys performed it at the 1989 reunion concert. It was used to bring Mike on stage at the Universal Amphitheater. Anytime all four guys are on stage, it was such an exciting moment. Even though we knew Mike was on the bill and we knew he was coming out. After that concert, I just loved that song. Another song that I love, and I love it on its own merits, is Hard to Believe. I've always loved that song. I call it Davy's Adult Tune. Davy co-wrote the song and Chip Douglas did an amazing production. It's also nice to hear Davy in a lower register because that's such a cool song with a great arrangement. Some of the later albums without Peter do not have the TV exposure that made them special to me. As an adult, there are numerous non-TV songs that I have great affection for, but never underestimate the power of television. I know there's been quite a debate on the round table about the lyrics of the songs like Cuddly Toy, She Hangs Out, and Star Collector. Are the lyrics inappropriate? Sure. But did I care as an eight-year-old? Not one bit. Some music is just meant to be enjoyed. Pop music, for the most part, is kind of like that. It's like a spoonful of sugar, as Mary Poppins used to say. I thought Star Collector was a song about space when I was eight years old. I've never looked at the monkey's lyrics like historians would of a Dylan or a Beatle lyric. The songs were just not that edgy, especially when they were a foursome. My thoughts, coming from an eight-year-old perspective on Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones Limited, might seem simple and sugar-coated. But that's what my favorite Monkeys recordings are. To this day, I have such a special place in my heart for their fun music. It picks me up when I'm sad, gives me a place of solace after a hard day of work, brings back such powerful memories. I was kind of a stay-in-my-room kind of kid, so these songs were a great joy to me. It was soon that for Christmas I got a little cassette recorder and started making my own cassette tapes, pretending to be a disc jockey, introducing the Monkeys' music. It was the start of a 35-year career in broadcasting. The Monkees played at my wedding, and for some reason I sang Here She Comes when my daughter was born, and I've learned to love their music, and their music has touched me for a lifetime. Are some of the lyrics inappropriate? Sure. But some songs and some artists shouldn't be overanalyzed, and the Monkees are one of those. This is an awesome album, and it's brought me a lot of joy over the years, and, and obviously it's a favorite of many of yours. Thanks, Ken, for letting me share my thoughts. And now I'll go back to my room and try to do my Davy dance. It's just kind of spooky looking from a 55-year-old. Thanks. And that was fantastic. It's, it's great to hear his thoughts from an original fan from way back then all the way up till today. Well, I think it's time to close out this episode. Are you ready, Melanie? I guess so. Are you going to sing this time? or? I might. Okay, ready? We wait be, before we go. Before we go, we hope to see you on the Zilch Facebook page. Rate us on iTunes. We will see you soon for side two of this discussion. Remember, try to win a free Zilch T-shirt. We will announce the winner on the next episode. Are you ready? I think so. All right. <laughs>
Here we come, just a walking down the street, uh, singing do a diddy diddy dum diddy do. Or we could go, here we come again, ooh, <laughs> catch us if you can, ooh. Anyway, <laughs> here we come, walking, walking down, the, down street. the street, we get the, we get funniest, the funniest looks from <laughs> everyone we meet. There we go. I was hoping at least to get a reaction out of you. Well, you did good, as usual. Very, I was very proud of that. I hope I hit record. All right. All right. We will see you. Bye-bye. 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 And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. I mean, he, he, blast! Here we go. Hold on. Hello. At least we're going to have a good hey, Google Hello. this week. <laughs> Detroit. Hello. All right, hold on. Hello, Frisco. <laughs> Detroit. Ta da 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 da. That's the truth. It's a doozy. It's almost two hours long. Yeah, I can't believe you crammed so much stuff in there. But that's, I mean, that's it's what she said. Pilot. So. Uh, uh, why would uh, I just walk right into it? Okay. <laughs> okay. It's a it's a sneak kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and now we're back on our discussion of Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorns, and Joe. Damn it! See, I cursed myself. <laughs> Son of a. Uh, <laughs> but you can't say on yeah podcast. But you can say anyway. Um, what did I do? I don't know, man. But don't do it again. So that's uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's pretty scary. You know, it's even more scary. What? You can't say on television. You must be joking. That's my line. I'm sorry. You must be joking. <laughs>